0: this deep remembrance and connection to our um that inner genius that we talked about before that unique quantum signature then we bring that to the forefront of our life and so what we're bringing to the forefront of our life then becomes our reality
1: hello yogis and thank you for tuning in to another episode of dharma talk i'm your host henry winslow and this is episode number 57 for this week's episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with a new acquaintance who is really an expert in something that has recently piqued my interest, but I've really only scratched the surface on, and that is Yoga Nidra. Jana Romer is a yogi who has been through many phases of practice and study, but At this point in her life and in her teaching, she has devoted herself to training people to lead Yoga Nidra. And she has a very specific way of doing it that is aligned to the rhythms of the cosmos related to astrology. Her system is called Astro Nidra. Now in this conversation, we cover a wide range of topics. We talk about our inner genius, which exists beyond mental comprehension and serves to create and heal our personal ecosystem from the moment of our conception. We talk about how to systematically traverse and unpack the five koshas through guided yoga nidra and affect life-altering change. We talk about mastering the endocrine and glandular system in order to stimulate the release of endogenous DMT, dimethyltryptamine, otherwise known as the spirit molecule. And if you stick around all the way till the end, you're going to get a special gift from Jana. You can find out how you can align to the rhythm of the cosmos through Jana's AstroNidra method from your own home for free. She has a special Yoga nidra recording just for you, the Dharma Talk community. So stick around till the end of the interview; you're not going to want to miss this. So all that is coming right up. Please stay tuned through these announcements, and we'll dive into my interview with Jenna Romer. Here's what's coming up in my calendar. I hope that you can join me for some of these events. In June, I'm going to be leading a series of workshops at Yoga to the People in Manhattan and Brooklyn. Details to be announced soon. Over July and August, at Lighthouse Yoga School, we'll be giving a 300-hour teacher training. Apply for that one online and use code HENRYWINS on your application for $100 off your tuition. And then in October, October 25th through 27th, Veronica and I are heading down to Bucerías, Mexico, to teach a weekend of workshops at Shala Ananda. You can find the details for all of these workshops at henrywinds.com/events. Go there and sign up. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Jana Romer. Jenna has come to devote her life to the practice of yoga, meditation, yoga nidra, and astrology because these were the exact medicines that she needed. An overly critical, busy mind paralyzed her abilities at different times in her life, but through study and practice she has experienced a complete rebirth of her mind space. Jenna has facilitated numerous trainings, intensives, and retreats over the years, and has since devoted her service to training guides of the ancient practice of yoga nidra, as well as her own signature blend of astrology and yoga nidra, astro nidra. Jenna, I'm really excited to connect with you here. This is our first time interacting, and it's through the podcast, which is always, you know, such a treat for me. Um, So thank you for taking the time today, and And coming on the show. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I feel like this is such an interesting way to have a conversation with somebody for the first time, really, ever. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about important things.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You, You came through a recommendation of one of my close friends who actually participated in one of your yoga yoga nidra sessions and i'm not sure if it was traditional yoga nidra or your your signature astro nidra but i'm sure we can dive into the differences here in a moment first i always like to start with the same opening question for all of my guests and that question is what does the word dharma mean to you and what is your dharma as you understand it today
0: okay dharma first of all is my favorite topic because I believe that it's hard to get in to be a human. And I think part of our journey into having such a beautiful incarnation as a human being is that we have a mission and my imagination goes a whole bunch of places, but I imagine somewhere in the spirit world, there being some sort of application process. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is what you need to do to get in. I don't know. I just make this up whether it's true or not is really debatable. Um, But we come on a mission. We come for a purpose. And um, uncovering that purpose is our first mission. And then as we even wake up to the idea that we're here to uncover a purpose, like that's sort of where it begins, then we start to gather these little breadcrumbs. And over the years of life, I think that our dharma can change a number of different times depending on... um, depending on where we are in the uncovering process of our dharma if that does that make sense to you
1: yeah that makes sense sounds like it's sort of a stepwise um a stepwise dharma first we have to understand that it is even important to consider why we're here and then once we've realized that it's an important pursuit then we can get closer to what that that answer may be at any given time
0: exactly and then i think too it's a non-linear process because the clues to our Sva Dharma or our big Dharma come in many different ways in many different forms. And so it's nonlinear yet when you land at that sweet spot that may last for eternity, or it may be sometime, the other pieces start to make sense. You know, the the mystery starts to come t- together in a way that we have a greater understanding of why we're here. And in my own process of doing this, I've noticed that the closer... I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I would say I'm the most aligned with my dharma ever in the history of my life right now. Um, but the closer I get, the easier it becomes. The, the alignment of personal truth and personal purpose is an easier flavor to recognize. And there comes ease with that alignment.
1: That's a really nice way of putting it. Recognizing that flavor, and mm. it and it brings me back to the way you opened up this um, this answer, which was, you know, if we if we applied, if we actually put in an application or somehow chose prior to this life um, state that we wanted to come into the world as a human, then that sort of implies that at a certain point before this life, we knew what the purpose was. So would you consider uncovering one's dharma to be a remembering more so than a discovering?
0: Absolutely. Yes. But we are discovering the remembering.
1: (laughs) Sure. I mean, false dichotomy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yes. I think for sure it's a remembering. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So in your process of remembering or discovering or coming closer to your your dharma or your sva as you put it, what is that starting to look like? I, I touched on it in your introduction, but I'd love to hear it in your words.
0: Yeah, so I mean, the nonlinear experience of dharma for me, it really, when I was really young, like some of my first memories weren't trauma memories or any of this some of my and I guess in a way this was my own trauma memory was as a four or five year old remembering that I came for a reason but I couldn't remember what the reason was and I was tortured I was a very serious child who grew up on an acreage with like nobody around and I was tortured by this idea that I couldn't remember and I came up with all kinds of ideas how I could get back to that remembering as a little child um, and then abandon it for a while <laughs> later on. But it started really young for me. And um, so the remembering in itself is part of my Dharma. And what I've discovered through the practice of yoga Nidra is that it is a path of remembrance. it's a it's a practice that uh, realigns us with that Home frequency, or that um, unique signature, that flavor that is so unique to each and every one of us. It's like this feeling within yourself that only you can feel. It doesn't matter how intimate you are with another person, there's a feeling inside each and every one of us that is unique to us. And that feeling, when we touch into it, or when we recognize it, or when we get quiet enough to spend time there, Um, there's like a blossoming forward of wisdom that comes in that place. And so I think my dharma is really to help people remember (laughs) by not telling them, but by helping them get to a state that helps them to remember for themselves and helps them to connect to that feeling within themselves that is so uniquely theirs.
1: Yeah. This is, this is good. Um, if everybody's <laughs> home frequency is unique and different then obviously you, there's no way for you to know what theirs is. Right. It so okay. as a, as a teacher or as a guide, the best that you can do is put them in a position where they can receive it themselves. Absolutely. How, how does yoga Nidra do that? Or in your, in your practice of yoga Nidra, how does that happen? How does that unfold?
0: Well, it's interesting because there's a lot of different ways that we can get there. You know, I'm I'm not suggesting that yoga is the only way. However, I've found that it's really potent. It's like a fast track because if you're, I mean, I'm sure you are, but the listeners and everybody, the koshas of the body, which are these sheaths or sometimes described as layers, um, but the koshas are um, primarily described as five different layers of the body that are, you know, the food body or our physical body, and then our energetic body, and then our mental-emotional body, and then our creative-intuitive body, and then our bliss body. And each of these bodies, um, in the word, like mayokosha, which is the mental-emotional body, in there is this word maya. And so it's a layer of illusion. And so what we're doing within the practice of Yoga Nidra is we're spending time traveling in each of the koshas, individually to be able to recognize the illusion of them the how each of these layers causes a degree of separation from that home frequency or from that unique signature and as we travel through the layers and then transcend it or release it or I'm not even sure if there's a proper word in the English language to describe what we're doing as we go through them Maybe transcend would be the best. I just feel like it's kind of big and intimidating, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? But as we move through these layers and get familiar with these layers and we recognize the illusion of each, we get underneath all of it. And when we get underneath or inside or around all of it, then there is that that formless, eternal, infinite inner genius that is y- you, at the at the infinite form you know and it's how you connect back to source it is, it is your direct connection to source and so the practice is just a way of peeling away these layers through surrender through a, a like complete surrender because if anybody's not familiar with the practice you're doing it lying down so there's it's an effortless remembrance that brings a connection to the original source of existence
1: I suppose it depends on your definition of effort because there's definitely <laughs> some, there's definitely yes. resistance that comes up right I'm sure you've seen that with your students
0: yes or falling asleep
1: <laughs> yeah to,
0: either there's a resistance or there there's like just falling asleep
1: uh-huh yeah yeah and to dance right on that edge of total relaxation but maintain alertness like that's the sweet spot right yeah
0: that awareness that is able to well if you think about it a part of us is always aware I like to think about the the energy or this inner genius that when the sperm and the ova met <laughs> you know in your mother's womb
1: let's go way back
0: first... yeah like <laughs> that moment there that they, I actually just saw this really cool um, science footage where at the moment that the sperm and the egg meet, there's a flash of light into the, into the, um, cells. And that flash of light, I think is the injection of this wisdom or this inner genius that then carries the knowledge of how to put the body together from these two cells. And that, that, that inner genius that then goes ahead and builds one of the most complex, Mystical technologies that we know of, which is our body that's you <laughs> you know like that's you you built this whole incredible ecosystem that we call the body and so that to to connect with that is to remember that we have a kind of genius that we can't quite comprehend and that same genius is what comes online if we cut ourselves and we the body needs to heal or in more dramatic cases, like cancer um, spontaneous remissions or something like this, this is the same genius that is that is doing this, and so the practice reconnects us to that genius that is not actually able to be understood by the intellect, right? But is infinite.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, if, if this inner genius is what constructed our intellect in the first place, then obviously it is something deeper and most likely more powerful than the intellect itself.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, the intellect is slow. You know, emotions are much faster than the intellect. Mm-hmm. Intuition's faster than the intellect. But
1: right. the intellect is strong.
0: <laughs> so yeah. it tends to the front seat.
1: What was your introduction to this practice, to Yoga Nidra? How did <laughs> you come to it, and how did it fit into your overall yoga and meditation practice?
0: Well, I didn't mean to discover it, and then I I actually wasn't that interested in it (laughs) when I first discovered it. Um, I was living up in Canada in this city called Edmonton, and there was this woman. Actually, it was a woman, but the day that I went to her class, there was a man subbing, and his name was Jai, and the woman's class was, her name's Jessica Ferguson, and the class was called something like Soul Flow or something. And it was a 90-minute class where the first... 60 minutes was a really strong like butt kicking creatively sequenced with awesome wisdom dropped in the whole way through it's just a gorgeous class and then you'd lay down and my first uh quite a few experiences they would it was like jay or jess would ask us to visualize this blue star and then start moving it through our body but if i'm completely honest with you i never got past my first pinky finger and then all of a sudden they'd be telling us to wake up. I had no idea where I went, but I felt amazing. And mm-hmm. at that time in my life, I was struggling with a a pretty um, challenging mental state. Like my my inner patterning was – it was difficult to be with myself. <laughs> I would loop around thoughts. I'd replay scenarios. It was just – I it, now when I think about it, it was like there was a, a whole – uh, swath of of personalities, not really, but like voices arguing <laughs> constantly. Um, and after I would do those classes, I felt quiet and peace. And my mind was was still enough. And I felt an incredible amount of love for myself. Like, I can't even describe it. And so even though I had no idea where I was going, I felt really good after the class. And In hindsight, I didn't attribute it necessarily to the yoga nidra at the time. I just thought it was the class because I was gone. I was like gapped out for the nidra practice. Um, and, And then I remember walking down the street because Jessica, the teacher, ended up becoming a dear friend of mine. I remember walking down the street with her one day, like maybe four or five years after my first practice with her. And she was like, you really need to study yoga nidra. And I was like, Jess, I just think it's a waste of my time. You know, I mean, you're just laying there <laughs> like <laughs> argued with her <laughs> well, like this is not a good way. You know, like my body's young and able. I'm going to work on handstands and backbends and yada, yada, yada. And she just kind of shook her head and was like, all right, whatever <laughs> left me. Um, and it wasn't until later on where I was um, really needing sleep. You know, I became and, and I did practice it on and off you know, not with the same high regard. But when I became a mother and I needed sleep, um, I swapped out a daily meditation practice, about eight years of daily meditation for a yoga nidra practice, because that's what I could do. It's not that I stopped meditating, but my meditation then was like when I was nursing my son or, you know, something like this, which in my ego mind wasn't the same quality of a meditation, but I could lay down and do these yoga nidras on his first nap And my whole days would get better. I noticed I was much more um, at ease with being a mother if I had this practice. And something inside me, um, like, it didn't give me a choice. It was like, go train. (laughs) Like, go learn how to do this at the deepest level like understand this practice inside and out mm-hmm. and so that's what I did and it's just been non-stop ever since I and now that I understand it I'm like wow this is medicine for people right now where we have nervous systems completely out of whack and you know the, this world of busy and go 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 it's just the most beautiful uh compliment to our busy lifestyle
1: <laughs> well this is a perfect case in point of like why it's such a blessing that we do have the capability to understand outside of the intellect because had your intellect ruled in this case, you might not have, never have explored deeper this practice, which has now become so important to you. You yeah. know, your first impression of it was I know that it's difficult to disentangle, um, the Nidra from the Asana practice and everything else that was going on in that class, but something was drawing you back there and, yes. and called you to come and explore deeper. So Oh, yeah,
0: I I look back at that and clearly it was the yoga nidra (laughs) like clearly it was the yoga nidra that was making all the difference Um, But you know at the time I was quite a bit younger and I had a pretty big ego online. I had different ideas (laughs) Yeah,
1: and so how did the yoga nidra evolve into astro nidra what does that mean and what is the difference
0: Well, it's not, there's not a huge difference. What happened was, is in my training, the teacher that I trained with, her name is Tannis Fishman. She's up in Canada. She, um, asked us to submit, um, two scripts as part of our practicum for the training. And the only scripts I could think to write were To Attune to the Moon, because I've been obsessed with the sky for as long as I can remember. And... Um, the moon and astrology had been a substantial um, place of solitude for me. You know, I, I've always understood that the that the astrology is this map to the collective unconscious. And when I started pairing them together, I, I wasn't really telling people that that's what I was doing. I just started using the astrology as a theme for what we would do inside the practice. And um, I follow the the style of the Bihar lineage where we do pairs of opposites with emotions and then visualizations at the end. And so it was really easy to put us, the current day's astrology into that. Um, and the feedback was beautiful. And and uh, I started to record them for myself because I can guide myself through a practice with less detail and more space but to guide myself through a practice with emotional requests, I don't have the same <laughs> I don't have the same uh, experience self guided. So what I was doing was recording my own and then listening to my own recording and somebody asked if I would share it. And there was this one woman that would come to my class all the time. She's like, You need to live stream this or you need to publish this and I kinda brushed her off. I was like, No, no, nobody's gonna care <laughs> You know, and um and, uh, I finally started sharing some of the ones that I had done for myself. And, um, I guess people did like it. And so it's become a thing that I do on a, I call them the sun season. So for every sun season, there's a new astroneedra that comes out and, and I have a, uh, desire to, Oh, sorry. Sorry about that.
1: That's okay.
0: Um, I, I think that it's really good to practice the same thing for some time. And so to have the same practice for four weeks is seems like a good idea to me. And then we revisit the one from the um, six months previous at the full moon. So Aries season, the full moon is in Libra. So we'll do Aries season for these four weeks. And then I'll bring back the Libra season one to revisit on the full moon and what's cool about that is you do the work for a month, and then it shifts your life in little and big ways. And it's not always seen until then. The practice comes back around, and you do it again, and you have a different, a very different experience with the practice when you revisit it six months later. And so that's that's how they came to be. And and um, now uh, it's just become my main focus because the feedback is I don't know it's it's more than I ever imagined I kind of stumbled across it by mistake but also very naturally that's where I was saying with this Dharma like when it comes in with ease and there's less ne- less necessity to try the alignment is more obvious mm-hmm. right. you know? yeah yeah yeah
1: talk to me a little bit about this Bihar method and what you mean by pairs of opposites and emotional requests
0: <laughs> yeah okay because that's not um,
1: familiar to me and I imagine oh, probably some of the people listening also
0: sure so when I was talking about the koshas before when we go through the practice there are stages of uh, I mean I guess I would call it a template that we go through and so in the beginning of the practice there's a bit of a relaxation and then I like to use what's called a sankalpa which um is like an intention but it's a bit stronger it's a vow um that is stated in the present moment um, with positive language. And um, I always recommend that it's something that we um, are focusing on to refine our, our, uh, I guess, personality or work on personality traits. So an example would be if somebody's struggling with self-worth issues, you could use a Sankalpa that would help you remember that you are valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that And that I put into the practice at two different times in the beginning and at the end. Um, and then after that we start working through the koshas so the first layer is the physical body and the way that I guide it is through tracking very specific points in the body and you just use your felt sense of awareness and I use four main different body scans now um, all with their own um, majesty to them but ultimately the reason I've chose them is because they both align with ancient practices, so honoring tradition and lineage, and they've also been confirmed by modern-day science and how the brain works and how the nervous system works. And then um, the next layer is the energetic body, and so we use things like the breath or awareness of space or spacious awareness or pranic flows in the body. So you could use anything from... Uh, chakras to values to meridian lines to um, even just a expansion and contraction of awareness which is you know from the cities in the third chapter mm-hmm. and then the third layer is the mental emotional body and in here what we're really unpacking is our idea of separateness and we do this through polarity and so when we use opposite emotions or opposite perceptions and we feel them or ask ourselves to feel them um, beside each other. So let's just say we use something like um, grief and love. Um, Grief is something that um, we all are experiencing, whether we're acknowledging it or pushing it away. It's a very real part of the human experience. And when we allow ourselves to feel grief or to, to grieve, then we can move through something. And what we discover is that grief is, uh, a polar opposite expression, or it's not a polar opposite, but it's because of our love that we grieve. And so if you put grief first and you experience grief, you allow yourself to experience grief, and then we let that go. And then you conjure forth the feeling of love to love, um, then we start to see that this what once seemed separate is really one and the same thing. And when we see that what we are perceiving as separate is really the same thing, then it brings us back to this idea or the, an experience of unity or the, like the unification of the opposites. And that's really a way to connect with our uh, source as well, or, or or to remember our oneness as well. Is separation is um, a forgetting and a unification is a remembering. Um, and you can use really anything in there. And so once we play with that, then I usually request that people feel an experience of wholeness, because wholeness is another one of these experiences of unification or to yoke together. And then after that, you can move into the, into the creative intuitive body through visualizations and the visualizations are, um, well, there's, there's many different techniques of how to do it, but oftentimes somebody earlier or younger in the practice will use their imagination to conjure forth, um, to conjure forth uh, a memory or um their imagination to create something which is a valid part of the process of getting to the state of yoga nidra yet i've noticed um there's a different kind of visualization that comes through surrender and request where then the subconscious mind shows us imagery in a different way and when we see the subconscious mind give us something we're in a more receptive state of, recepti- of, recept- of receptivity <laughs> we're receiving messages or receiving these images from the subconscious mind or perhaps even what lives beyond the subconscious mind the superconscious mind it either is an experience of purging or or again an experience of connection and so these are all different techniques that we that we um travel through or traverse through or explore to bring ourselves to um, this connective state.
1: That's really beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. I just want to quickly recap it. Um, mm-hmm. So, typically, start with some sort of vow or intention, a sankalpa, then we move into the physical body with a body scan. Then you can go deeper into the energy body um, through tracing the meridians or nadis and feeling spaciousness. Then we go deeper into the mental-emotional body and explore the perceived separateness of different ends of the spectrum and emotions to really uncover their oneness. And then finally, we drop down one level level deeper into the intuitive body through visualizations. And the best ones are the ones that we receive rather than forcefully conjure. Uh. Does Does that sound about right?
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. And then after that's done, there's the bliss body is and is another layer, which really is at, at all layers. Yet I would like to leave people in a bit of silence or give them a task like to explore spacious awareness, to feel into that bliss body, or I'll even have people um, allow for elevated emotion to arise within them during the bliss body, and then we'll put the sankalpa in one more time, and. The reason is is because now that you're there, the brainwave states have changed to a point where the analytical mind is completely gone. And the neuroplasticity of the brain is at a state where you can rewrite a program very quickly, almost instantaneously, or or not even almost, instantaneously in some cases. And so when you put that vow in there, like I am valuable, for example, to stick with the same one, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you write this really strong program in the mind of the perceiver that then in the walking, waking life now starts to scan the world to see that, oh, I am valuable. Mm -hmm. Maybe I do have a feeling of worth or I can understand my own worth um, with that. And uh, really the opportunity to pull something through from that unified state of this deep remembrance and connection to our our um that inner genius that we talked about before that unique uh quantum signature then we bring that to the forefront of our life and so what we're bringing to the forefront of our life then becomes our reality (laughs) and so because we really are infinite but we forget because we get caught in the thoughts that we think every day and so mm-hmm. if we can change the dominant thought pattern then it completely changes our experience of reality and so because the mind is in such a really actually quite vulnerable state um we can shape shift our our perceptive functions very wow. quickly
1: yeah, well, yeah. it's like we're, we're still living in the Maya. We're still living in the illusion. But if we can pull something out from deep within underneath most of those layers and then put it on the surface in the Maya, at yes. least our Maya is still like a positive one that has been colored by something deeper.
0: Yeah, and to me, this is such a powerful way to exercise free will. You know, like if I look at my life, I mean, I've used this in my life to completely change my reality where, I mean, I've used it for everything from how I mother to my marriage, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to get kind of surface and like take it to a real world, like forget about oneness. I just want to really love my husband right now. And I'm having a hard time with him. <laughs> no, Exactly. Actually, <laughs> right? that, was,
1: that was going to be my next question is like, how have you used this practically speaking, maybe in, in a time of challenge?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think everybody has real struggles that in hindsight perhaps look trivial perhaps looks trivial but in a moment they are everything yeah and you know I can think of very clear times in my marriage where I was just feeling a lot of resentment towards my husband and not really for anything more than him not showing up the way that my expectations wanted him to be showing up which then creates story and you know all the ways that we do and so then when i go in and change my story or i change my perception then i'm able to see him in new light and uh it's really amazing you know if how much easier the fight ends the moment i decide that he's not the enemy <laughs> <laughs> yes. right? we do it we, we all do it i'm using something that i know that everybody is
1: yeah is, very relatable <laughs>
0: Yes, exactly. But you can use it for anything. So I used it um, in who I was as a teacher. You know, I um, these are really big concepts, and there was a part of me at uh, one time. You know, I've been facilitating 200 hour trainings and different trainings for over a decade now, and even with a decent amount of experience, there was a part of myself that would really question, like, who am I as this white girl who grew up in Canada to be? sharing these teachings, <laughs> you know? And, and I think that's a really valuable contemplation and, and looking at that as how we then honor the tradition and how we, um, how we get the ego out of the way. And at the same time, if I'm trying to share something from a place where I'm beating myself up versus loving myself into that, that role, it's a very different experience. So if I remembered my dharma was to help people remember, then it was easy for, easier for me to sit in that seat versus there was a part of me that remembered that I was here to help people remember, but there was a part of me that was questioning my, my worthiness of sitting in that role. Mm-hmm. And if I could get rid of the part of myself that was really questioning my worthiness and align more deeply with the part of myself that understands my or that like it's not even understanding it's like a feeling of my dharma then I'm able to actually share the teachings with way less ego and a lot more listening (laughs) does that make sense
1: yeah it becomes less about you and and your role in it and more about who's receiving the benefit of, of your service
0: yeah and I'm not really doing anything Thing. I'm just yeah. a transmitter of these ancient teachings and the teaching and the practice itself is the teacher. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm just a, I'm just a voice. You know, my prayer has been to, um, you know, for to be used in service of our species awakening. That's been my prayer as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get out of my own way to allow that prayer to, to come true.
1: Yeah. Just a transmitter. And yet, Transmission is still an important enough piece of the puzzle that it is the cause of a life. You know, if you want to look at it in that way, like that was the application that you put in to be human at some point before this (laughs) state of consciousness.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to go have them remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, So for someone who's listening to this and thinking, well, this like this sounds like something I want to go deeper into what I know that you have teacher trainings. Um, Is there anything that you recommend and how can they learn more?
0: Well, I think the best way for people to connect with the teachings that I'm sharing right now, yes, trainings are amazing, but honestly, the monthly natures are such a great way to connect with the practice because they are downloadable to your phone. You can do them wherever you want. And it is actually pretty cool. There's a community of people that are now doing the same practice. And so. Even though we're doing the practice at home, perhaps alone in our bed or on our couch or on the floor or wherever you're practicing, you're never alone in doing it because it's like together we are aligning to the cosmos, to the stars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of my struggles over the course of my life, you know, I, I am a mystic at heart, but my intellect and my analyzer has at times really questioned this idea of what God is. And where I was able to connect with it was, well, this earth is something much bigger than myself, you know, and the moon or the planets, this is so much bigger than myself. And when I allow myself to move way out into space to see, you know, we are a speck of dust on a a rock flying through a, a solar system. To connect to the the bigger geography of where we are in the world is huge, and so this community of people that are doing these astro-nidras are really not attuning to, or sorry, are really attuning to a greater symph- symphony of wisdom through the stars. And I think that's like, I, I just think that's so cool. <laughs> and so that's one way, and that's just through my website, which is my name, dot com, and my Instagram is where I. To, where i say like hey this is the one that's live right now um and that again is just my name too um and then if people do want to go deeper the yoga nidra trainings i actually don't at this time teach the astro nidras i teach the yoga nidra itself and i teach it from a perspective of both the mystic and the scientists like the <laughs> the, the quantum science perspective using a lot of neuro. um neuroscience wisdom understanding neuroplasticity of the brain the nervous system and the endocrine system and how all these things are working um to kind of decode or demystify the mystic which is part of the practice because if we don't understand that as a base there's no way to understand the Astronidra. but it is my plan in the next few years to um put together a uh, a bigger program because you have to understand astrology to make the astro So it's like step one is to learn how to run yoga Nidra. And then step two is how do we understand astrology? And then part three would be how do we put all three together? So yeah, that's yeah. my big mission. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm working it's on the, the manuals. It is. It's a huge, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah. to, to do the, to participate in the, um, in the Astro Needras, they, people can just go to your website and then stream them there.
0: They're not a stream. It's actually a download. You save download. it into your, okay. drop- yep. you save it into your Dropbox folder. I okay. mean, one day I'm, I'm like, I'm like calling in all the right people to help me make a little streaming app <laughs> that would make yeah. it easier, you know? Yeah. Um, but right now it's a download and then you have it on your phone and, cool. and, uh, yeah, it's easy. It's really easy.
1: You could always do it as a podcast too. Something. Yeah,
0: consider. yeah. A few people have had said have said that. I would. What I would like is to be able to organize the one like when you open up the app. I would like you to be able to know immediately. This is the one working with the cosmos today. Right. So there. Right. So it's just really simple because if with a podcast, I'd be like, okay, go back to podcast. Cast 25. Yeah. yeah <laughs> okay, exactly. now today go back to podcast 42, you know?
1: Yeah, you have to work with the interface that's already at play, and they're all the different podcast directories, so you don't have consistency. I, I get that, so I see why you yeah. want your own thing.
0: Yeah, one well, day. Jenna, <laughs> a-
1: apart from getting your message out on the podcast, what are you doing today to live your dharma of remembering? Um, and inspiring well, others to remember?
0: I I'm living it. And then I'm also just an eternal student. Like right now, the thing that I'm most fascinated with is the endocrine system. And the endocrine system is such a... I mean, even in the medical world, the way that they're working with the endocrine system is disrupting it. And nobody is really working with decoding how to signal it. And so... My understanding of the endocrine system is that it is the regulator of our states. And so whether we are in a state of joy or boredom or depression or anxiety or curiosity or dream, (laughs) you know, or, you know, the many different altered states that we uh, find ourselves in over the course of a day, you know, how many different emotions do you ride in a day? Those are all altered states. Um, and so learning how to, learning how to, um, to master my own glandular system is, is my practice. And through that, um, exploration and, 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 um, I guess it's an attunement to this really subtle layer of self. I'm discovering ways to help people then attune to their own glandular system. And as we have that, uh, there's a lot of mystics out there and great sages and saints that say this is what enlightenment is, is to be in control of our glandular secretions. And even just asking that question on a daily basis and and observing it within myself is so interesting. Because <laughs> I think when we get down to it, the glandular system is the ultimate uh, mystery, because you know, they <laughs> what they know about it could be broken into. Um, I mean, pretty simple conversation, but the moment of death, you know, we have DMT released from the body, and and um, what I've noticed in the practice of yoga nidra is that we can actually get to a place where, and it's called the spirit molecule. We can actually get to a place where we can have a secretion of DMT as part of the experience, and so um, that you know, Mantak Chia, Dr. Joe Dispenza. There's a few people that are guiding people to these very natural DMT release experiences, and that's that's where I'm going with this. I've, I'm I'm able to self dose into these states now. And so I really am working towards how do I bring other people there? Because if it's the spirit molecule, and by having a release, naturally, of DMT, we connect with the everything, the unified field to God to source to spirit. I think that might be the biggest gift that um, I could offer the world.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. So that's where I'm going. That's my, that's sort of where I'm taking this. (laughs) That's
1: that's mastery, I would say, of yoga nidra.
0: Yeah, that's it. And we can do it. That's the thing. We can do it. I've experienced it. And so it's just a matter of figuring out now, you know, because there's a process to get there.
1: Yeah. How do you like systematize it so that it's repeatable?
0: Yeah, but it's actually, it's not a systematization is what I've realized. What it is, is an understanding. And actually what it is, is a big unlearning process. Because where we are in the world right now is we're uncovering our mass miseducation. And this mass miseducation is everything from our understanding of how breath works, to how our health works, to food, to Um, I mean, I could get even political with like the ways that we've been lied to by system and structure and government. Mm -hmm. Um, we just, we're going through this stage of a massive unraveling and, um, dissolving of the misinformation that we've been fed. And so that's really a bigger piece is, is to, uh, to unlearn the education that is preventing us from actually experiencing these states all on our own. Mm -hmm. We'll become a really powerful group of humans, <laughs> you know, like the more people that are living with a, that clear of a connection to source and, and like the Maha truth of the universe, it's, you know, there's no power control then. It's, it's not, you know, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> there, I
1: had a, another guest on my show, um, not too long ago named andre ram and he actually talked about how he perceives a sixth kosha you were talking about the koshas earlier and it sounds like he and you are very aligned in this it's like we have another sheath that we have to get through before we can even work on ourselves which is the the lies of ideology and civilization that have been imposed on us from a very early age
0: wow yes that's exactly it that's the part that we need to figure out and that's a major deconditioning (laughs) it's like major so major you know and and I know like I picked a mother who you know a family that chose to raise me in nature and so I didn't get a lot of those programs you know I've been reflecting a lot on growing up (laughs) I mean some people probably probably laugh at me when I say this, but in somewhat of an isolation environment where I was on an acreage with very little, uh, media, even as an option, you know, there was only three TV channels and my parents didn't really have us watching TV. So I was outside in nature. Um, and that was my playground and I, you know, just circumstances the way that they were, I didn't have very many friends. And so I spent a lot of time alone and not in the program. Yeah, And I think that automatically gives me uh, a kind of intel that I'm recognizing is valuable today now that I'm living in <laughs> Los Angeles in Venice, California. <laughs> yeah, completely polar ended. opposite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't have racist programming. I don't have... Um, you know, like I just don't have these, like my husband laughs at me because he works in the entertainment industry and he'll always use pop culture references. And I just look at him with the most blank stare because not only was I not raised on media, but I took a, I mean, social media has changed my world, but for a long time, I took a media cleanse where I didn't watch TV or listen to news or any of that stuff. I just wanted to dive into the world of what is spiritual, like what is spirituality Mm -hmm you know like what is truth and so that kind of cleanse I think um really uh took me out of a lot of the societal cultural programming that we need to decode and for me I can see it really easily like oh there's a program there's a program there's a program here's another program running Mm -hmm. this is and this is (laughs) you know (laughs) what we need to (laughs) undo
1: (laughs) Well, this mm-hmm. conversation took a surprising turn toward the end, but I'm I'm glad that it did. <laughs> I feel that we could talk about this for much longer, but I do want to respect your time. So let's move to the final section of the interview now, which is what I like to call the prana round. It's a little fun. I'm going to ask you six rapid fire okay. questions and ask you to answer in okay. minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Ready.
1: All right. In I'm sitting one... up
0: really straight. Yeah, right I know. Now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Have your sip of water. Clear your throat. Okay. <laughs> In one word, why do you practice yoga? It's life. What's your favorite yoga pose and why?
0: Shavasana. I'm <laughs> not reason. surprised.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is the single best cue or piece of advice that you've ever received from a teacher? Listen. Recommend one book, either modern or ancient, for our listeners.
0: Self-Observation by Red Hawk.
1: Is yoga for everyone?
0: Maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, last question. How can our audience get in touch with you, and how can we support you in your dharma?
0: Oh, well, Instagram is a really easy place. It's just my name, Jana, J A n a underscore romer r o e m e r and the biggest way to support is to try the practice and if you like it share it because i'm just a one woman mother show over here and and i would love to build a community of people who are connecting with the stars you know if we look at all the separation and division in the world the only thing that we have in common is that we stand on the same earth and we revolve around the same sun and we stare up at the same moon and so that's that's something that we can all connect to that transcends our differences and so it's not just me that you're supporting when we're connecting to this these same master luminaries it's it's for the good of everybody
1: so beautiful beautiful yeah thank you links to your website with the download um The AstroNidra downloads will be in the show notes for those of you who want to check it out. Jenna, it's been such a pleasure to connect with you, um, and I hope that it won't be long before we can connect face-to-face. So thank you so much for coming on Dharma Talk.
0: I would love that. And you know what we should do for your listeners, if they're listening still? We should give them this AstroNidra for free.
1: Oh, great. Okay, so I won't publish that anywhere. It'll just be for people who are still listening right now.
0: (laughs) It's our sneaky, it's our sneaky little gift.
1: Thank you yes, so it, much.
0: Thank you for having me. It was so fun chatting with you.
1: All right, Dharma Talk community, to access the free Astro Nidra recording from Jana Romer, head to henrywinds.com/nidra, N-I-D-R-A, and you'll get the free download there for 2019 Taurus Nidra. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll talk to you next week. Hey Dharma Talk community, if you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button right now. And if you'd like to show your support even more, leave me an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you listen on. You can also make a financial contribution to keep the show up and running, a donation at henrywins.com. remember i'm here to serve you so if you have any questions or comments or ideas you can always reach me on instagram at henry otherwise i'll speak to you next week keep living your dharma